Well, welcome back to the Walk as Jesus Walk podcast series. And in today's message, we're going to focus on how Jesus is the true vine and that those who are connected to him, as we would say, those who are in Christ, will, according to Jesus, will bear the fruit of his spirit. Now, to establish a foundation so that we can gain an understanding as to what Jesus meant when he said he is the true vine, there's no better place to start than with his own words. And so in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the keeper of the vineyard. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, and every branch that does bear fruit, well, he prunes to make sure it is even more fruitful. Now, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you, Jesus said. So then he said, remain in me. And if you do, I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you bear any fruit unless you remain in me. Now, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Now, such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, he said, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. Well, there's a lot to unpackage here, a lot that Jesus said, and most of the deep truths here that he shared you won't hear very often coming from today's pulpits, and you won't hear it in very many Bible studies. Moreover, I don't even think you'll hear it in many seminaries. They won't spend a whole lot of time on this chapter for various reasons. And those that do, they'll filter it in a way as to not offend or confuse their students with Jesus's truthful, difficult teaching when he said, if you remain in me. Now, he didn't say it once. He said it several times. Now, if I am going to say, if you do this, then there's an option. That means that, okay, but if you don't, and he tells us, if you remain in me, you will bear fruit. But if you choose not to remain in me, I cannot remain in you. You'll be disconnected from me, and you will not bear fruit. And that those branches are gathered up thrown into the fire, and burned. Well, this is why you won't hear this teaching very often. And so, so many people don't want to hear, oh no, you mean I actually have to surrender my whole life to Jesus in order for me to go to heaven? No, there's got to be an easier way. And they go and they look for it. And sadly enough, regrettably, they find it. And where do they find it? They find it in one of the many millions of local churches scattered around the world. And so Jesus, he leaves no doubt 
that he alone is the true vine. So none of these churches, nobody else, no other person, no doctrine, no anything is truth except for Jesus. He is the true vine. And that the Father is the one who actually prunes those who are really his children, those really connected to Christ. Jesus said it plainly, if you're not connected, you bear no fruit. But if you are connected, not only will you bear fruit, but the Father will prune you so that you can bear even more fruit. Now, this conflicts with today's false teachings that if you become a Christian, that you will be connected to the true vine. But what is a Christian? According to who? This varies from church to church based on their own what we believe. And so if you go onto their, their website and click on what we believe, well, that'll tell you what it takes to be a Christian. And so knowing that this varies and it's like shifting sand, it's definitely not the, the rock, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone that Jesus told us that we needed to build our lives upon. Just because someone claims to be a Christian actually doesn't guarantee them anything concerning the kingdom of heaven. It means that they're a Christian. And so if you don't understand what it means to be a Christian, just go to one of these local churches and ask them, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, you know, you need to be baptized. You need to be a member of the church. You need to pray the sinner's prayer. You need to give your tithes. You need to go ahead and be a regular attender. Uh, there, there is this laundry list that is fixed in a way where anyone in this world can be a Christian if they just follow those steps. Well, the truth is, those who are specifically called by Christ, remember, he calls us, we don't call him, and who hear and understand his calling, then wholeheartedly, with everything that you are, leave your life in this world, follow Jesus, and then he sees that and he sees your heart is true and chooses you. Christ chooses us. We don't choose him. Those are the ones connected to the true vine. Not somebody who simply makes a claim based on a doctrine or a belief, what we believe. So this has nothing to do with today's church system. It doesn't have anything to do with what a pastor may tell you or how we wish to interpret the Bible on our own. On the contrary, this has everything to do with a full surrender of oneself to do what? The will of the Lord. By setting aside their own will. And we are will-filled people. We like things the way we like them. Christ said, you've set your will aside and you do the will of God. And then and only then will we be able to really connect with Christ. And so, most importantly, we must have that personal relationship with Jesus that is not based on anything other than him. He chooses us. He calls us. He chooses us based on our heart condition, based on what we are truthfully willing to give up and surrender. Jesus said, no greater love there is than this, that you're willing to lay down your life for another. He's asking us to do that. 
He's giving us an opportunity to lay our life down in this world to follow him. Now, there's many teachings of Jesus that are considered hard teachings or difficult teachings. However, for those who are truly in Christ, Jesus' teachings are all the same. They're all valid. They all make sense because the Holy Spirit that dwells within us validates that and causes it to make sense. What makes these teachings seem so difficult to so many of these, these people who reject them is that they don't wish to surrender their own free will. In other words, they're selfish. Well, they face a dilemma because their hearts remain self-centered in a part of this world, their fleshly desires, their goals and desires in this world. And yet, some actually may follow certain teachings that match their personal wants in life that Jesus taught. So what they do is they conveniently avoid the teachings they don't want to hear. For example, in the Gospel of John chapter 6, the Jews began to argue among themselves about uh, one of the difficult teachings of Jesus saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Well, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. Wow. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, Jesus said, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I am him. So Jesus is teaching the same type of thing that is in chapter 15 of John here, sharing with us, and this is in chapter 6, so this was early on, sharing with us that if you're to remain in me, you need to eat the real food. You need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Wow. So we have all kinds of traditions and religious edicts that are set up out there with different Christians who believe that some of them actually believe you're eating the actual body of Jesus when you take the Eucharist and that when you take the wine that you're drinking his blood. Well, this is a difficult teaching, especially for people in this world to think, whoa, you know, what kind of a cult are you part of? Because truthfully, this is a very, very difficult teaching to understand. On the land, the Holy Spirit is guiding your insight, and you're looking at it from a supernatural standpoint, but not from a human standpoint. So Jesus makes it very clear. You must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Well, when he does that, he goes on, he says, just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father, so also the one who feeds on me will live because of me. So Jesus is saying, because the father sent me, that's why I live. And if we are in Christ, we will feed on him. This is a supernatural thing that happens by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, this is the bread that came down from heaven, meaning himself. Now he's giving us a clearer picture. He is the bread that came down from heaven. He says, unlike your fathers who ate the manna and they died, the one who eats this bread will live forever. 
So it's making more sense that Jesus is talking about that we feed on him from a supernatural standpoint. Well, Jesus said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And on hearing it, many of his disciples, these were his disciples, people who followed him for a long time. They said, this is a difficult teaching. Who can accept it? Now, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this teaching, Jesus asked them, did this offend you? Then what will happen if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Which he's being prophetic because that's exactly what happened. And then he goes on to talk about it from a spiritual standpoint. He said the Spirit gives life. Now we're talking about spiritual life, eternal life. Only life that can come from Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The flesh profits nothing. So no matter what we do in our flesh, no matter how good we try to be, no matter how much we try to be honorable, profits nothing, not in the kingdom of heaven. Then Jesus says, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. So we are to listen to what the spirit is telling us in our hearts. Well, many people can't do this because their hearts are so hardened, because they are so natural, because they don't have the Spirit, because they're not truly in Christ and they haven't been transformed, but can't understand this teaching. And so Jesus goes on, he says, however, there are some of you who do not believe. Imagine that. There are so many who do not believe because they want to believe from an intellectual standpoint. And they don't listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. For it goes on to say, Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. So many of these disciples that followed Jesus, they hear these difficult teachings and they were actually going to be involved with betraying Jesus. Well, then Jesus said, this is why I told you, no one can come to me unless the Father has granted it to him. See, many people say, I chose to follow Jesus. I chose to go to church. I chose to pray this prayer. It's not the way it works. Jesus chose us. And the Father actually grants permission for us to hear from him. And then we make that choice. The choice is not ours to, to jump into it with him. He comes to us. We respond. We're not the ones who initiate. We respond. Then Jesus said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has granted it. From that time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with Jesus. Now, what do you suppose happened to their souls in the end? Well, many local churches will say, well, they'll make it like, you know, with their, their butt seats on fire because they'll barely make it into heaven. I mean, they'll make stuff up. But what happened to the truth that Jesus teaches? There's bite to that because it's a two-edged sword. Therefore, just as then, today, many who will perish claim to be Christians, just as many who perished back then claim to be Jews, but they're not truly following Jesus. They choose an easier path that offers them false promises. They have deaf ears 
to the difficult teachings of Jesus because their hearts remain hardened by the, their desires and the things of this world. So what do they do? They'll seek out a local church that feels right to them, that aligns with what they choose to believe. In other words, they're not following Jesus, but instead they're following a denominational teaching, maybe a Bible-believing church with uh, some kind of watered-down sermon. Uh, maybe they're going to what their mom and dad always went to. But Jesus said, follow me, not those things. So in doing so, they believe it allows them to remain as Christians, even if it's not the true vine, because they're doing the Christian things. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 15, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by its roots. Disregard them. They are blind guides. And if a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into the pit. The blind guides of today are no different from the Jews who were blind guides 2,000 years ago. John the Baptist told them, you brood of vipers, warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit then in keeping with repentance. And the axe lies ready at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's in Matthew 3. And guess what? The same thing applies today. I don't care if you call yourself a Christian or whatever you want to call yourself. If you are not following Jesus, then you are not producing fruit. And if you're not producing fruit, you will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Those aren't my words, but those are the difficult teachings that others won't share. But Jesus said in Matthew 24, 13, but the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. He didn't say the one who prayed a sinner's prayer will be saved. He said the one who follows me to the end, who perseveres to the end will be saved. And again, in Matthew 10, 22, he said, you will be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. And many times I've noticed these words that came over out of Jesus, they're just glossed over. It's no wonder, as many believe that they can live out their lives however they wish, because they're already saved, because they already prayed a sinner's prayer and followed whatever it was that their local church told them, and you're good to go. Well, this is all nice. It sounds great. It tickles one's ears. Is it what Jesus said when he said, if you remain in me if you persevere to the end. And I'll tell you what, many who believe that they're good to go have fallen away because they see no reason not to. However, in truth, those who have fallen away are no longer connected to the true vine. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 tells us, you know, it's impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and then have fallen away to be restored to repentance, because they themselves are crucifying the Son of God 
all over again and subjecting him to open shame before heaven and earth, before those who are unsaved in this world, before those who are in Christ, before the angels, before the demons, before everything in heaven and earth. They are putting Christ to shame. Why? Because maybe they did taste of it. Maybe they were in Christ. Maybe they were connected to the true vine, but they've fallen away. And nothing can restore them to repentance except for themselves, except for their own hearts. If they turn from their wicked way and repent, they will bear fruit. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 31, it states, you know, if we deliberately go on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no further sacrifice for sins remain but only a fearful expectation of judgment and a raging fire that will consume all adversaries. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses, they died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think one deserves to be punished when he has trampled on the Son of God, profaned the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But this is the game so many are playing, thinking that they're going to be okay, just as the Jews did. They crucified Jesus because they wanted to shut him up because he was speaking the truth, and they didn't want to hear the truth. They wanted to hear what tickles their ears, what they believed in, their traditions. Well, you either follow Jesus, or you follow something else out of a substitute. Jesus said in Matthew 7, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the path that leads to destruction. And guess what? Many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the way that leads to life. Only a few will find it. And he said in Luke 13, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. After the master of the house gets up, though, and shuts the door, you you who are trying to do it your own way will stand outside knocking, saying, well, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I do not know where you are from. Then you will say, well, you know, we, we ate and drank with you. We taught in, in our streets. We went to your church. And he will answer and say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evil, evildoers. Now, following anything other than Jesus himself is to follow the broad way that leads to destruction. And remember that Jesus said that many will follow this way within their lifetime. Thus, in closing, it's essential for everyone who claims to abide in him to walk as Jesus walked. We must be firmly connected to the true vine. Jesus said that, remain in me, remain in me. And if you're listening to this and you find out that you don't know if you're remaining in him, 
cry out to him and say, Lord, I repent and truthfully from your heart, give up this world and follow him. He is the only way, truth, and life. And you must remain in him through perseverance. You must keep going. In doing so, you will bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit as you continue to seek to walk as Jesus walked.